engine light on? Take the guesswork out of your check engine light with O'Reilly Veriscan. It's free and provides a report with solutions based on over 650 million vehicle scans verified by ASE certified master technicians. And if you need help, we can recommend a shop for you. Ask for O'Reilly Veriscan today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, save on select steel battery tools. Right now, save $50 on the FSA 57 battery trimmer set. Real steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. With AK-10 battery and AL-101 charger, offer valid for a limited time only while supplies last. See participating dealer for details. This podcast is presented by Yeti, built for the wild. Well, welcome back to another Cutting the Distance podcast. I had such great response on the Q&A on the last one I did, so I've decided to up the amount of Q&As that we're going to do and just figured now's a good time. The hunting season is upon us, and I just thought "Ah, it'd be cool to answer a few of the questions that I've gotten. So I had uh, Ben O'Brien come help me. He's going to read a few of the questions. We've gotten a ton of emails I've responded to as many things on social as I can. However, the emails, I just can't even get to all of them, especially during hunting seasons. But they do get read. And then I'm pulling out a few bits and pieces here and there and putting those into this Q&A, as well as I'm taking a lot of the input and building out future podcast things to talk about. Um, I think that that's extremely helpful because I want it to be about what you guys want to learn as well. So I'll tell you what I think you need to know, but then there's some stuff I'm not even thinking of that people need to know as well. So I really appreciate all the interaction. I think that that's the best part about doing this podcast. It's what's keeping me going is just the awesome response that we've gotten so far, as well as, you know, the um, interaction between everybody. So many awesome success stories that I've seen so far. That's my favorite part, just seeing seeing the success. So thank you very much. And yeah, brought Ben in today to just yeah. give me a hand, read the questions. I like the questions to be fresh. So I'm not scrolling through. I'm letting him pick the questions. Then I will read the question or I will answer the questions. He will read the questions. And Does as Remy work? said, yeah, that works for me. And as Remy said, like we're reading all your emails. So if you send an email in a, to Remy at the mediator.com, we're reading them all. Um, if you don't get a reply, we apologize. This is our reply. We're, we are reading all these things and crafting the content um, based on this. So we got some good ones. You ready, Remy? I'm ready. Yeah. 
Okay, Blaine. We'll say Blaine Anderson wrote in. He said, uh, stoked for you. I would love to hear about advice and tactics on reading wind and how exactly it affects your decisions as well as how and when exactly thermals work. So I think the headline there is like, tell us about thermals. Yeah. Covered it a little bit in the uh, Mule Deer podcast or the spot and stock, just planning a stock as far as you got to consider wind. But I, I wasn't able to really dive into wind. And I think that I'll answer it as the question, but I'll also, God, that would be a great podcast in the future is just really deep diving into the way wind works. So if you think about fluid dynamics, wind is actually counted like when you're, when they calculate the air, the flow of air, it's the same as water. It's a fluid dynamic. So you also, when you're looking at the landscape, have to think of wind acting like water. If you were to pour a bucket of water at the mountain, how would it flow? Think about the way a river flows. When it hits a rock, what does it do? Well, it, if it hits a rock over the top, it creates what's a bed where it goes over the top and then jets smooth. Or it hit, makes an eddy when it hits something and swirls as it goes around the rocks on the edges. Water does the exact same motions as air. So when you're thinking about the mountain and the way the air is flowing, think of it like the direction of the air is pouring water. And how that water would react on the features is how the wind will react as well. That's the best way to think about it. Now, thermals are interesting because they can be consistent, but they can also really mess you up when you're planning stock or trying to get in close. So I'll just tell you the way that I think about thermals. There's a ton of, you could go on Wikipedia and probably get the most scientific explanation of exactly what a thermal is. But think of a thermal, the way I think of it is like a hot air balloon, hot air rises. So in the mountains, it's particularly consistent in most places because there's a lot of temperature swings between night and day. So in the morning, when the sun comes up, it starts to heat the ground. That hot air then rises. So the thermals rise in the morning. What that does is that pushes the air or the current up into the air as well as when you put a hill in there, it pushes it up a hill. So in the morning, the thermals rise up a hill. Now in the evening, it's the exact opposite effect with the cooling. The cool air then drops below the warm air, causing the current or the thermal to go downhill. Now here's a couple little tips that they don't tell you in the thermal textbook and things that I always think of is that first part of the morning when the thermals first start going, that's when they seem to be the fastest, but the most inconsistent. Now you also have to remember when you're in mountains, the thermal might be rising on the sunny side of a hill, but it's drawing down the shaded side. So there's been a lot of times where I've planned my stock, the wind where I'm standing or the thermals are going up toward the animal. Well, I know if I get into the shaded side, it'll be drawing down that other side of the canyon. So I play it a lot where, yes, it's rising in the morning, but you get in that shaded spot and you can, you can actually get around animals and make a better stock by trying to stay into the shade where they're going to bed. It'll be drawing or dropping down. So it is consistent of thermals rise in the morning and fall in the evenings, but you also have to, there's that timing issue where you can play the shade on the north faces to get the wind right or the thermal right. 
Now in the evening, that's the hard one because when the sun's out, you might be stalking from above, which is generally the best. And then it switches once that sun starts to go down. At some point, that thermal is going to drop. So you've got a time clock ticking. What I like to do is I like to try to anticipate what that thermal is going to do and then stalk into a place where either way, I'll be okay. And that's hard to do sometimes, but it's something to consider. No. I love it, man. Yeah. That's, that's is as clear and concise as I've heard, you know, wind and thermals explained. I mean, it is. I, I mean, understanding about wind is the most important because wind is what gets you busted. A lot of people ask, oh, well, what about scent in the, when you're hiking and hunting, none of that stuff works. You just need to play the wind. And just by understanding the wind, I think a lot of people think that the wind swirls or is finicky and is unpredictable. But by spending a lot of time out there, I've really understood that it's not as unpredictable as you think if you know what it's doing where you're at. And a lot of that is maybe it takes a couple of days to understand what the winds like to do in that area. And, you know, certain times of the day, midday, when it's hot out and there is no wind, like the thermals are still – your scent will keep going uphill. And that's always good too because the, the thermals are going throughout the day. And then you just kind of got to anticipate what's going to happen as things change, as the sun moves yeah. and start thinking about it critically. Yeah. I mean, in the whitetail world, everybody's always scent control, scent control, scent control. But having the knowledge of where your scent is traveling and how it's traveling through a landscape is, is, is as, is, if, if not more important, as important Yeah, in those things. All right. What else we got here? Um, Donovan Billings. He said, um, in, I know you were saying, and, and in my readings too, there's a lot of people asking about solo hunting, DIY hunting always, but solo hunting being, he said, Donovan said, I would like to hear some stuff for the first time DIY solo public land hunters out there. I'm planning my first out-of-state hunt this year. I'll be camping in a tent and most likely going at it alone. I could just use some tips on gear and anything else that may come to mind. Yeah, so... I have a lot of experience solo hunting and there that and there was a lot of questions that I noticed as well about hunting alone. Yeah. Um for those that may maybe they found this podcast through some other means, who knows. I have done a show for the last so uh, this we're in just finished our tenth season, will be eleven years now, uh called Solo Hunters. You can find it on Amazon Prime, the newest seasons, and then older seasons on YouTube still. Uh, so if you haven't seen those, and this has just happened to be a random solo hunting question, <laughs> start by binge watching those seasons because there's just – you're going to pick up a lot of stuff watching Especially that. on – the what amazes me about this isn't exactly what Donovan's asking, but how you film those things, like how you specifically capture. I know it, it's hard to get it done without a camera, but the best thing about Solo Hunter is seeing how you guys capture these hunts by yourself. Yeah, because it's – very frustrating for yeah. the most part, but we try to at leave the frustration in there, the challenge of it. Um, but back to Donovan's question, some of the gear. Now we have such good – when I started hunting alone, there was no satellite text messaging. There was sat phones that were way too expensive for anything that I could afford. Um, there, I don't even think we had cell phones when I started hunting alone. So – I think that there's a couple items that you can take with you, but then I think there's a few things that you just have to do old school. Um, you should always let somebody know where you're going and give a, I'm going to be back by this date, time, this is where I am, this is what my truck looks like, 
This is the kind of boots I'm wearing just in case, God forbid, something happened. Now, with so much technology, I also highly recommend some kind of SAT messaging system. Like worst case scenario, um, they've got – I call them DeLorms because mine is ancient, but I think it's Garmin now. Yeah, Garmin. In reach, reach. yeah. Yep. That's a good one. Um, the spot ones are really good. I, w- I always thought the Garmin was – because that one can cl- connect to your phone. And then my buddy had that one on his Nevada deer hunt this year and broke his phone. <laughs> so <laughs> then it, to send a message took him years. <laughs> it was just like old school texting. So the I think the spot one has its own keyboard. The inReach can go to your phone. They've got the mini or another one. That's a, that's a great piece of equipment. Um, and you can start and stop the service whenever. But um, definitely – a good investment. Now, the other thing when you're by yourself, you got to carry all your own stuff. You got to rely on yourself. I think that the best tool you can have hunting alone is being self-reliant. And what that means is just having the knowledge, being a little bit bushy, having the knowledge of if a situation arises, how to get out of that situation. And also... You know, you're going to have less ability to carry a bunch of stuff. If you if you got another guy with you, you can split up tent and weight and other things. So everything in my pack, I critically think about, and I make sure that everything has multiple uses. Um, you know, if I've got a, let's see, some, I'm trying to think of some stuff that's in my pack always. I just try to, every trip take out the things that I didn't use the trip before until it's about bare bones. Um, but I try not to double up on anything. Like I know some guys will have a multi-tool and then a skinning knife and then a, all this extra stuff, you know, really cut down the weight of the extra things you, you take, make sure everything has a purpose. And it's like, this is what this is for. This is what that's for. And, and bring those kind of few items. If that makes sense. That does. Kind of jumped around a little bit there. But. Yeah, I mean, the inReach is a huge one. I've, I've used that all over the place. So I, I, I don't I don't go anywhere if I don't have service without it. I, I clip it to the the uh, shoulder strap of my pack and just leave it there. And it's always there. It's always charged. It's, don't leave home without it. Yeah. And if you're by yourself, too, like just being self-reliant, you need a little bit of extra. Like I always have some duct tape wrapped around my water bottle. Um, that's always good for patching yourself up, have some knowledge and what's in your first aid kit, go through your first aid kit and know what's in there because, you know, the difference between a bad situation and whatever, I mean, I'm talking about the dark side of solo hunting is just no one's there to help you if if stuff goes bad, but that's, everything else is just hunting, you know, but as far as gear goes, you just need something that can get you back safely, really. That's the only difference I would say. This episode is brought to you in part by O'Reilly Auto Parts, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road and also keeping you happy. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. I use the O'Reilly by me. It's right in downtown where I live. And the team there is super knowledgeable. When you got questions, they're happy to help you out. It's a great store to go into. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts, they can test your battery for free in or out of your car. And don't ignore your check engine light. Ask for O'Reilly Veriscan today, a free diagnostic service exclusively at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Need your windshield wipers replaced? 
Brake light fixed, quick service, they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop to get some help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in the store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'Reilly Auto, O-R-E-I-L-L-Y, O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time, Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that Seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, Seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of Seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. People everywhere rely on Seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way that they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild. But searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today. Because trust me, there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth. This one came via email. I thought it was interesting. Uh, Just one major question. Uh, I haven't harvested a deer or bear yet, and my success is only in bird hunting. How do you deal with disappointment in the field and not allow it to carry into other hunts? Uh, Seriously hoping to be successful this year, and that's from Aaron Pearson, just asking about disappointment and how to deal with it. I thought that was an interesting kind of off-the-wall question. Oh, yeah, that's – there's a huge mental aspect to hunting. Um, You know, I've said it a million times to people that I've been guiding or friends that are on a hunt calling me, telling me how the hunt goes. I mean – one of the best things you can take on a hunt is a positive mental attitude. And the way that I approach a hunt, especially really hard hunts, like I've, I've got a hunt coming up that I know is just going to be grueling. So before I go, I set my mindset of I'm here to have a good time. Now, think you just have to anticipate that things are going to go wrong and set your mindset that when those things go wrong, how you deal with them really determines – how long you how hard because once you start getting down and you start you start getting frustrated you start making mistakes you stop thinking clearly you you want to go home and you start carrying that into other hunts instead of saying it as i'm unsuccessful see it as what did i learn this trip look at it as i'm going out for the experience of the hunt and then take those experiences keep your attitude positive and learn every time like it's a learning experience. You go out, you aren't successful. Well, what did you do that time that caused you not to be successful? You should be thankful that you learned that this time. You know, you should be constantly getting better. 
And and that should be your mindset. So it's really just a shifting of the way you're thinking of looking at things. I know there's so many t- hunts that I've been on that have just been, especially when I'm by myself, grueling and every day things go wrong. It's just part of it. But yeah, it's how you react to the things that go wrong. Is it something that pushes you forward or is it something that kind of drags you down? And that honestly, like your mindset is a decision that you make when you get up every day. Yeah. And that can be taken into daily life. Yeah, and I you, think that's... You decide your attitude. That's why hunting, especially the kind of hunting you do most, the backcountry hunting is the most rewarding, at least to me, because it's it's constant challenge. And you're always left with, even if you're successful, you're always left with something you didn't do right or something you could have done better every single time. And that's, if you're not out there for the challenge, then you got the wrong, wrong mindset in the first place. Yeah, but I get it. I've had those tough hunts where you're like, nothing's going right. <laughs> yeah. Is this ever going to work? This sucks. Yeah. But you just have to kind of take it and say, well, this is what I learned. This is what I'm going to do different. And you might do it different and that doesn't work. But at least... You just, I mean, I almost wake up every morning on a tough hunt and think, this is freaking awesome. Look where I am. How cool is this? Like, be stoked. Keep the stoke. Embrace the challenge. Yeah. Be intrinsically Uh, motivated. Don't let the situation motivate you. I like that. Um, Here's one from Dan. Just says Dan. Um, A lot of people are asking these questions. There's a lot of people writing and asking very specific questions that I don't know that we can answer, but this is a good example of what it looks like. Um, he said, I'm a whitetail bow hunter from Georgia who has decided on a DIY mule deer hunt in southeast Idaho for 2021, or at least putting in for general tax. Any advice you want to throw my way would be greatly appreciated. Keep up the great work and continued success. From Dan. Yeah. Okay, I think, well, first off, the drive from Georgia to Idaho is very long. Download every podcast because that by that time there will be like fifty two of them. Oh, way and, more than that. <laughs> and then start <laughs> start from the beginning and listen through again on your way out there. Because I think the whole point of the podcast is to answer those kind of questions. I hope that when you listen to the tips and the other things, some of them might seem kind of random or maybe not in your wheelhouse. But overall, what I'm hoping it does is give you a database of things to think about when you're out there. Honestly, a lot of this hunting isn't based on the spot. You go, oh, where should I go? Where did you hunt? I want to hunt where you hunt. Like that doesn't even matter because most of the hunts I go on, it's the first time I've ever been there. The, the place, honestly, is the least important thing. It's the little tactics of just pick a spot. I don't know how many hunts I've just picked a spot. I mean, you could say people could be going, oh, Idaho is going great right now, but I mean, find any spot. A lot of times, most of the hunts I look for are places that people aren't talking about. But you just take the things that I've talked about, the, the little bits of scouting, some things from the stories, and just kind of formulate a plan in your head. Create a picture of what you should be looking for, and then just pick a random place where it's legal to hunt and you can get a tag, and then employ start employing those tactics. I mean, you know, if you're asking, where should I go? I think you're already at a loss. You should be asking like, what are things that I should know that are going to make me better? And those are all the things that I am talking about in my mind that will make you better. So I think that that's going to be the best thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, I work on this podcast. I work here at Mediator, but I'm a fan of, of, I mean, you talking about learning how to dog an elk. I mean, that's like 404 class level elk hunting learning, but you can, you can know, even if you're a one-on-one guy, 
you can listen to this podcast and, and understand where you need to get to or understand like the movement of an animal. You may not be able to call like Remy, but you can understand the movement of an elk or what that elk is thinking. So you can, it'll fast track your calling to get you to that next level if you understand those things. So that's just one example. But there, in my opinion, at least are tons of examples of that. Yeah. To get you there. All right. You got, well, we got one more dialed up here. It's from Matt Middleton. He said, I'm new to hunting and I'm preparing for my first archery elk season here in eastern British Columbia. That's a great country over there. Uh, having trouble finding hunting partners. So it will be solo. I'm curious if you have some tips or pointers to help a rookie adult onset hunter be successful. I've been scouting and spotted a few cows, but not a lot past a rut sign. Uh, I'm a little lost on what elevations I should really be targeting. I'm in the Columbia Valley region, which is very steep and rugged for the most part, with quite a bit of open grassy wetlands in the valley bottom. Again, great podcast. Huge fan. Thanks for the help. And he's elk hunting, correct? He's elk hunting. He's, he's really, I think, asking... Kind of the elevation lot, he should be hunting. A lot of questions, but the, the specific question is, if you're in this situation, how do you target elevations, or do you target elevations? So, I don't necessarily target elevations, but I target the type of habitat that I'd be looking for. So, we're talking elk, um, sounds like archery, you know, maybe that's a September type thing. It doesn't really matter the time of year as much. Um, I would say... Look for so elk are grazers. So let's just break it down. Anytime I'm I'm talking about a hunt, first break it down on your knowledge of the species. So and this can go for anything. Like let's say you've got you're going to go mule deer hunting for the first time. Your best bet is to understand the animal that you're going after, and then once you understand that, then understand the type of area you're in, and then break it down after the type of area you're in. Okay, how does this animal interact in this area? So based on my limited knowledge of that region, but just based on what he said, it sounds like it's probably fairly timbered. Um, there's open meadows in the in the valleys, fairly steep kind of country. So elk are, elk are a herd animal and they're a grazer. Um, what that means is they prefer grass, whereas like deer like browse. They'll, they'll eat the bushes, whereas the grass, the elk eat the grass. So first thing I'd be looking for is feeding areas. Um, now if it's super timbered, I'd be looking for those maybe north slopes, maybe more gentle north slope. Um, but maybe those valleys, maybe it's not necessarily an elevation thing. So you might have above timberline and then open in the valley and then maybe some little openings in the north slopes, um, in that country. So I'd be looking uh, first for the food. Then I'd be looking for areas that contain water in that country. There's probably water everywhere. So that could just be, you could almost dismiss that. Um, and then cover. Well, is it all open or is there some places where they can go from food to water to cover in a short area? Um, focus on those areas that have that elk habitat. Now, every area is different. I'd say a lot of elk like that top third of the mountain though. But in your area, who knows? Maybe Maybe hunting those meadows is the way to go. Good way to check it out would be to scout some of that look for sign. If you don't see any sign in those lower meadows, then yeah, the key is maybe get up higher. Also look for some of those benches and some of those finger ridges coming off the main ridge. Um, elk live in some steep stuff, but they like to bed in less steep stuff. So anytime you can find a flat spot or a bench in steep country, you're going to find elk there, whether it's timbered or not. And using your topo map is a great way to do that. Yep. And so, yeah, that's a good, so 
the answer really is understand the terrain and how elk use it. You don't, you're not picking numbers when you're looking at elevation. You're like, oh, the elk will be at 8,000 feet. No. That's not. But right. once you start finding them, um, God, this year I had a mule deer hunt and it was early season. It was like, I was up high and I saw it, no bucks. And then I get to 6,000 feet and start seeing bucks. And everywhere I went, they just happened to be at that elevation that time of year. So if you start seeing elk at a certain elevation, you're probably on the right track. Try to replicate that other places or deer or whatever. I mean, it's not a bad theory of, okay, they like this elevation. But also really investigate what else is here that time of year. Because now if you're hunting that same area later, the elk will be lower. Snow and other things like winter range is is lower country, more mild country, has a lot more north slopes and a lot more grass. That's what they need that time of year. So, yeah, hope that helps. Good. Well, that's all we got. There's there's hundreds of emails here that we're reading and answering, um, and so I'm sure we'll do more of these, won't we? Yeah, definitely. And and like I say, the um, you know I try to respond to as many on my instagram or whatever that i get as i can i pulled a few of those questions from there and then the the remy at meateater.com is where you're reading yep. a lot remy, of these from remy at the meateater.com is where those last couple came from and there's there's many you know the good thing or or convenient things there's many that are similar to the ones we're reading so we're trying to yeah. cover off on the most popular topics that we're seeing in the inbox perfect yeah appreciate it and Next week, we'll get back into some more stories, some more tips, some more tactics. But yeah, thanks for all the um, support and let's keep it going. Appreciate it. See ya. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, save on select steel battery tools. Right now, save $50 on the FSA 57 battery trimmer set. Real steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. With AK-10 battery and AL-101 charger, offer valid for limited time only while supplies last. See participating dealer for details.